Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesseur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. have been walking through this series on being church uh, for the last few weeks and, um, and just kind of part of living in this time that we are living in. It's, it's been a good opportunity for us to, to take a look at, especially the parables of Jesus, to see that Jesus is the one who makes us church. It's not about uh, where we're coming on a Sunday or, you know, how many times we're worshiping or, 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 or what service we're attending or any of those sorts of things, but it, it is about what, what Jesus is doing in and through us. He's the one who gathers his church together. And if you take a look at if you take a look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts gives you a really great picture of what of what God has done since the very beginning. In the very beginning, Jesus uh, Jesus is on the on, on the mount. He's about to be taken up into heaven, and and he says, "You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria." And throughout the throughout the earth, but right after that, he's taken up into heaven, and it doesn't take too long. We get to see God do some really amazing stuff. God is doing awesome stuff, and people are believing and getting saved all over the place. And um, and the church, church does what the church does. They start getting comfortable. They kind of get into a routine. They go to the temple. They talk to people about Jesus. They, they go home, and they invite their friends over, the church over, and they all have meals together, and they're feeding the hungry, and they're helping the elderly, and everything's going great. Except the church also does what it does incredibly well, and it still does today. We're not great listeners. We read God's Word, but we don't always do we the church seemed to forget about the whole like you will be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria and out and all over the world they just kind of focused on jerusalem they're like jerusalem is going awesome and so it's not long before god allows persecution to come and the church that was doing great in jerusalem starts to get oppressed. And God uses that persecution as a way to just kind of kick the church out of Jerusalem. And wherever they go, they take the message of salvation with them. Sure enough, they spread out into Judea. And then then they go out into Samaria. And what do you know? They scatter all over the world, and, and we're a part of the church today. And so being church isn't about the building that we're gathered in, uh, because whether we're you know, at home sitting around the table, we are the church. 
whether we're sitting, you know, whether we have friends over and we're, you know, we're, you know, cooking off, off the grill, you know, and, and enjoying something on the patio, we are the church. Whether we are, um, whether we're at school, whether we're at the campfire with the youth group, we are the church because being church is more than the building. Being church is more than our attendance. And being church has got to be way more than what we do. Being church is about what God has done for you, for me. That's what being church is all about. And so today we're going to look, uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Actually, it's not really a secret because we're, we're online to, uh, you know, for this service. I didn't even tell the 9 o'clock service. Sorry, 9 o'clock service. Um, I'll let you in on a little secret. Our next series, which starts next week, is going to be going through the book of Jonah. Super excited. I can't wait to go through Jonah. Uh, I'm super pumped. One of my, one of my absolute favorite prophets, um, great story. Everybody loves Jonah. I mean, there's, you know, there's rebellion, rejection. There's a big fish. There's a ship, you know, that, you know, and a storm. And there's a, there's a plant and a worm. Who doesn't love a worm? I mean, that's just great. God's putting all that all into Jonah's story, so I can't wait to get into that. But before we get to Jonah, we got one more parable. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew 13, starting in verse uh, 44. Matthew 13, starting in verse 44, and we get to hear... What being church is about. Two parables today. All right, don't sigh back there, okay? I promise they're both super short. Matthew 13, starting in verse 44, reading in Jesus' name The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Here runs the reading of God's word. Ah, see, I told you it's not going to be that bad. Two parables, two verses. Walk in the park. All right. If you're anything like me, you hear a story, and you're trying to figure out where's my place in the story. So I'm gonna just I'm just gonna ruin the, the two parables for you right from the very beginning. I'm gonna ruin the ruin the parables for you right from the start. You're not the man. Jesus is the man. Jesus is the treasure hunter. I, we, we read stories all too often, and we, and we have this tendency to want to just kind of make it about ourselves, you know, as if, as if we're the ones who have to, like, sell everything, you know, for the gospel. And, like, you know, no, 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 no. There's only one. There's only one man who has ever given everything, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus gave everything. This is Jesus, the Son of God, who has 
existed eternally. He existed, you know, with the Father and the Holy Spirit before any of this stuff ever was present. Matter of fact, everything that's been created was spoken through his mouth. Jesus, the Son of God, eternally existent, co-equal with the Father, absolutely amazing. And he gave it up. He gave it all for that treasure in a field, that priceless pearl. Philippians chapter 2 gives us a little insight into, in, into Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't think that like equality with God, that his position in heaven was something that he had to like hold on to, grasp onto, like like two little kids like fighting over a Tonka truck or something like that. No, 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 no. He didn't think it was something that had to be grasped, but making himself nothing. taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he'd humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus gave it all. He didn't he didn't see that his, that his position in heaven was something that he had to like hold on to for, you know, for dear life. But as the author of life, he humbled himself. Became born as a little baby. The son of God with skin on. And he walked the earth once he learned how to walk. And he became obedient. He even obeyed his parents. He didn't become a rock star or a hot shot. He took the very form of a servant. He came to serve people. And then, to really fully give it all away, he gave his life the one who never needed to die. You see, the wages of sin is death, but Jesus did it all perfect. He was perfectly righteous. The wages of righteousness is eternal life. He never needed, he didn't need to die. He didn't need to give it all up, but he did because of his great love for us. Jesus is the treasure hunter. And you, you are the treasure. I know you look for your place in the, in the story and you say to yourself, well, if I'm not the man, who am I? You are the treasure. You are the priceless pearl. You are the one that Jesus gave it all for. You are the one he sold everything for. You are the one he came for. You are the one he died for. You are precious. You are treasured. You might say, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't feel very treasured. Well, guess what? Before Christ, we didn't look very treasured either. 
You see, when we look at this, at this field that, that, that Jesus came to purchase, to buy, he finds this treasure in a field, and we think to ourselves, oh, what does this field look like? Well, uh, there's an artist, uh, his name is Edward uh, Riojas, and he, this is the painting that he painted about this field that our Lord Jesus came to buy. The Jesus character is pretty obvious. He's got that awesome halo, you know, not present when he was on earth, by the way. He didn't, like, have some, like, cool glowy thing around his head. The field that Jesus came to buy, and, and, and you know, and I, my friend Daniel Emery Price likes to say that the field that he bought is a, is a graveyard, a cemetery. You see, last week I, I, I left something out. As I talked to you about all the things that I bury, I said that I buried dog poop and that I buried dead things, but I left one thing out, the most precious thing that is buried, and that's you and me. We're dead. Without Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Take a look with me at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, basically doing whatever you wanted to do, right? That's how sin is defined carrying out the passions of our flesh and carrying out the desires of the mind and the uh, body and the mind, basically doing whatever we want to do. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You see, without Christ, the field is just a cemetery. We're all just a bunch of dead bodies, but God loves us and God treasures us, and he is the one who makes us alive. You see, we're dead in our sins, but Christ is the one who buys the field. Christ is the one who makes us alive because of his love for us. And we look in the, in the parable and he says that he was overjoyed to buy the whole field. See, Christ is the one who makes you a treasure. Christ is the one who makes you alive. Christ is the one who makes you a priceless pearl. You are the treasure. You are the pearl. You are valuable. You are loved. And you are treasured. But, I would venture to guess that if I questioned every one of you on the way in, and I asked you, are you priceless? Are you treasure? Are you worth infinitely more valuable than you could possibly imagine? I am willing to bet that most of you, if you were honest and you, you know, weren't being tricked by the fact that there was a pastor asking you, 
many of us would say no. The truth is that for the most part, a lot of people, they don't feel valued. They don't feel like treasure. They don't feel precious. You see, because humans, people, we have this terrible habit, and it is way present in the church and, you know, totally applicable to being church as just as much as it is outside the church, and that is we have this terrible tendency to assign value. You're worth more than this person. This guy's a deadbeat dad, so he's not worth very much, but this guy really contributes to society. This guy over here, he, you know, feeds the hungry, so he must be worth more. And this guy, well, he drives a fancy car, so he's got to be super valuable. And she's absolutely great, and she's not very valuable at all. And she's, well, she's just really annoying, so we don't like her. Person after person who comes into our lives, we assign value. A good customer and a bad customer, a good friend and a bad friend, and her, we don't even want to talk about her, but he, while well, he is so, wow, I mean, he's valuable because look at him. Person after person, we have this terrible habit of assigning value. Most of all, to ourselves. Over and over again, all day long, based on what other people think or what we think other people think, based upon what we think or what happened that day or what I did or what I didn't do or what I said or what I didn't say, what I thought or what I didn't think, we continue to assign uh, value to ourselves. But we don't get to do that because we do not belong to ourselves. We've been bought with a price. Jesus gave it all to buy us because he's the one who determines our value. He's the one who says, you are a treasure. He's the one who says, you are a treasure and I'm going to sell it all for you. He's the one who's determined that you are a priceless pearl. And he's going to sell everything he has because you are priceless. When I was in high school, I was an art major you might say to yourself, I've never heard of an art major in high school. Well, I didn't go to high school around here. I went to high school in New York. Uh, and when I went to high school in New York, um, they had some different tracks at the school that I was attending. And based upon my extremely low grades, I mean extremely low, like below low grades, and based upon the fact that I got kicked out of French class on a very regular basis, and English, and band. The school decided that I needed to be on a different track. Instead of the college prep track, which needed, like, you know, good grades in English and, like, taking French and things like that, all of the French I learned from my French-Canadian grandmother, none of it was appropriate in class. What do you know? 
So they suggested I take a different track in school. And so in high school, I was an art major. And all I wanted to do was draw and paint. And, um, and my hope was to go to Rhode Island School of Art and Design. But, you know, due to the fact that my grades were lower than low, I didn't get in there either. I did eventually graduate from high school, not planning on going into college, but I did continue to paint for a while. I love painting. I still love painting, although I don't do it very often. I love it when my kids have art projects and stuff at home. When I was a young adult, I was living in California, and I, I didn't, didn't have a ton of money, and as, as Christmas was getting closer, I was racking my brain as to, to what to give for Christmas, and so um, I scraped up a couple of dollars and, and, and bought some supplies, uh, and I painted two paintings, one for each set of grandparents. Um, I didn't have enough for an easel, so I cut a cardboard box uh, in, in the shape of an easel, and I put my canvas there and, um, and, and spent hours each day uh, in painting these two paintings. And, 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 and I finally finished, and as I stood back and looked at, at my paintings, I looked at them, and I just said, Ugh. I'm not very good. tried my best to, to fix them up a little bit. And it was getting closer to Christmas, and I didn't have enough money to buy anything else, and I certainly didn't have enough time or money or, honestly, skill to start all over. So I really didn't think that I could paint them any better a third or fourth time. So I let the paint dry wrapped them up, and mailed them to my grandparents. Christmas came and got the phone call from the grandparents. Oh, we got your present. Thank you so much. They're beautiful. And I'm like, ugh. No. Years go by. I go to visit my grandmother. She lives in a, in a beautiful house on a golf course in a country club in Daytona Beach, Florida. I go down to visit my grandparents, and, uh, and, and, and my grandmother is, is taking me down the hall, and right at the end of the hall, in a beautiful frame, with a light over the top of it like it's, like it's being displayed in some museum, my painting. I walked down the hall and I said, Grandma, you do not have to do this. I mean, hey, I'm not a kid anymore. You don't have to put my artwork on the, you know, up on the refrigerator. Really not that good. And, and she said, no, 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 no. This isn't your painting. This is my painting. And it is the favorite piece of artwork in my house, out of my whole collection. You are treasured. Whether you feel like it or not, you are 
God's masterpiece, not because of what you've done or what you've thought or what you've said, but because of what God has assigned his value to you. Because of what Jesus values you, you are treasure. Because Jesus says you are precious, you are precious. And because you are his, he hangs you at the end of a hall in a beautiful frame with a light shining on it because he says you are his. You are valued. You are loved. You are treasure. You are a priceless pearl. And nothing you say or think and nothing anyone else says or thinks will ever take that away. You are treasure. You are priceless. And Jesus gave it all to buy you as his own, to make you a part of his church. And that's what being church is all about. It's being loved. It's being treasured. It's being priceless. Because Jesus says you are. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for it being a joy to buy the fields full of people dead in their sins. And you make us alive, and you call us precious, and you treasure us because you are the treasure hunter. Lord, we have this terrible habit to assign value to everyone else, including ourselves. Remind us today that we are loved, that we are treasure, that we are priceless, because you gave it all to buy us, and we are yours. And you determine our value. It's in your name we pray. Lord Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer. Amen. Will you stand with me for this blessing? Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May he look right at you and give you his peace. Amen? Go in peace. You are loved.